Welcome to Sound DeFi, the podcast that delivers key insights from thought leaders on all things DeFi, blockchain, crypto, and private market data. Today's episode is sponsored by Accumulate, a universal interconnected protocol for Web3, enhancing any layer one or two protocol with interoperability, higher throughput, low predictable cost, ULR addressing, key management, and robust digital identity capabilities. To learn more, visit www.accumulatenetwork.io. Welcome to another Sound DeFi. It's a podcast delivering key insights from today's thought leaders on all things DeFi, blockchain, crypto, private market asset data, and more. I'm your host, Scott Hannon. I am the the curious one here, and we've got the pros here, including uh, Michael Creeden, who is, of course, the uh, president of Invenium DeFi Dev. And you have a special guest with us today, Michael, so take it away. I do. Good to be with you, Scott. I'm here with my colleague, Jay Smith, and we're so excited about this show. It's great to interview your own colleague. Again, good to be back. You know, Jay, when when I was introduced to this project, and you've been involved in various capacities for a longer time, the thing I had asked our colleague, Paul Snow, was, does the world really need another blockchain? There's thousands of them. And the first thing that I wanted to know is, why do we need another one? I mean, what's special about Accumulate and the project that you and I are working on? And maybe, you know, if we just jump right in and tell us why this new protocol is needed and, and talk a little bit about the problems it's disrupting. Well, the new protocol is needed because the present protocols don't address a lot of the problems that blockchain promised to be able to solve for a whole bunch of reasons um, in terms of ability to handle the number of transactions per second, the ability to fit well and play well within business. And in the future, as identity becomes more and more important, both blockchain and Web3 have a a real problem with identity that we've addressed. Jay, tell us about your journey. I know know, you've had a great career in a lot of different capacities, but at some point, I believe you were in traditional finance and now you've moved into decentralized finance. And I'm just curious about, uh, you know, that journey to go from sort of uh, corporate America to, you know, startup world, for lack of a better way to describe it. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you're at today. Sure. So for 25 some odd years, I worked for the most uh, several of the larger consulting companies, mostly in financial services, building securities, lending and borrowing systems, cash management systems, payment systems, collateral management systems, every sort of system for banks and financial institutions all around the world. And then at some point, Paul Snow, who you mentioned earlier, who I'd done a startup with many years ago, lassoed me back into startup land and got me involved with blockchain and with distributed finance and this idea of being able to build systems that can enforce truthfulness. The thing that I like the most that we like to say is that truth is disruptive. And that's a lot of what we're bringing to Systems is a a system that forces uh, truthfulness and honesty and allows for these type of decentralized systems that don't depend on middlemen that is the DeFi world. Yeah, I was talking with Scott on the show earlier this week, and I was saying, you know, the way I look at it, you know, is from my public markets background trading at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, where you'd have an, what was called an audit trail. And an audit trail was would confirm, hey, 50 corn were traded or some gold was traded or whatever the product was. And even though it was anonymous as who the counterparties were, any investor around the world could trust that audit trail. They knew that information was real, that this thing happened. 
And I looked what Invenium's doing with private market assets and trying to credential and anchor documents to get to that truthfulness about data. And I just wonder if you could talk about why does it matter? Why is it important to have trusted data for, let's say, for private market assets? Why does that matter? And who does it matter to? Well, it matters to all the counterparties in, in, in whatever transaction, whatever industry we're talking about. The thing about that trusted audit trail that you were talking about before is up until recently, those would be created by some centralized entity. And the, you know, the audit trail is important. All the parties have to be able to trust the data, but it implies you have to trust that central party. And, and it creates a rent-seeking position for that party. You know, they're able to take slices out of the, the entire transaction just for providing that audit trail. And so with, with blockchains, with things like Accumulate, we can create those audit trails in a, in a way that everybody can trust them, but, but there's not somebody sitting in the middle taking pieces of the transactions. It, it lets the value that the transactions are creating go to the people that are creating the value and not these people sitting in the middle. Right. We've been noticing it, like anybody that watches the space, just an enormous explosion in what's called locked value, you know, where, where there's the staking and then there's there's yield generation in DeFi. This space has exploded in the last 24 months from a couple billion in, in staking and, and yield generation to hundreds of billions. And Jay, why are people coming to cryptocurrency to get yield on their assets? Can you, I mean, is, is this is this you know like Charlie Munger calls it? Is this just a giant Ponzi scheme, or why are why are investors increasingly looking to get yield from their crypto assets? I think because they are an asset, and no investor, nobody that that owns assets wants to sit and let the assets sit idle, but I think what you're seeing is just the tip of an iceberg. Um, you know, these, these assets are, you know, the, the result of the value that this technology is bringing to the market. But now you're seeing things like what Invidium's doing, where, and, and Invidium, interestingly enough, over the last five or six years that I've been watching this market, Every year has been the year that real-world applications were going to start leveraging blockchain. And it really hasn't happened. Right. And Invenium is really one of the first, if not the first, organization that is really leveraging blockchain for a real-world application. And this means leveraging dealing with vast numbers of documents. And so that's where I see the value is this ability to leverage this into real world transactions and reduce the friction that's seen and unlock the value. Because there's a lot of value that's just sitting and just the friction of the existing systems makes the value Um, unlockable. Michael and Jay, here's a question I have. Is it fair to say, you know, when somebody says it's a Ponzi scheme or is quite critical, I had this conversation actually with the Bank of America CEO and he said the same thing, uh, visited North Dakota and to really just dismissed this. And he was on a college campus, a lot of kids asking about it, kind of excited about the space. And the question I have is, is it fair to say that you should really lean in and say, who's criticizing this and why? Right. Not so much the criticism, but where the criticism is coming from them and what it would disrupt for them. Jay, you take that one first. I want your take too, Mike. Yeah, and it's, it's exactly what I was talking about a moment ago. 
in that there is a lot of rent-seeking positions held by these organizations that are providing trust through their central place in the, within the transactions as, as trusted middlemen. And you'll notice it's those are the people that are calling DeFi applications and blockchain in general Ponzi schemes because they recognize that they're going to lose their rent-seeking position because they're going to be replaced. They're not needed in a blockchain world. I mean, the world changed with Lehman Brothers. It was one of the most important events in financial history in the last probably 500 years. A lot of things changed, but one of which is central banks went all in. And what they did was they decided to buy all the bonds that they were also issuing, (laughs) paradoxically. But what happened there is a lot of ramifications from the 6040 investing died. Remember 6040? What does that even mean anymore? Why would anybody, anybody with Hussein put 40% of the retirement money into something that yields nothing or yields negative interest rates? It's, it doesn't make any sense. And so there's a lot of reasons Bitcoin was spawned and, and then these other technologies. But I think at least one of the reasons is that the world does need yield. You, you need yield. And so I, I've been amazed to see so many of these projects like MakerDAO and so many others that offer yield. And people still say, oh, it's a scam. It doesn't work. Then I say, well, where are the blowups? If these things are scams, then there should be more problems in the marketplace. And I think a lot of these solutions are so elegant and so sophisticated and so complex that, I mean, I know there will be problems from time to time. There always are in markets, but the world is now shifted. And now there's there's a chase to get yield, and that chase is coming in a lot of respects to cryptocurrencies and, and you know blockchain projects through various means. It's, it seems to me that the credentialing process that you talk about is what is the blunt force instrument against this criticism, because you know you could argue with you know decentralized finance. Here's the risk, whatever. But this credentialing, J.N. Michael, J.U. First, is really the secret sauce to this in understanding that that is where you lose these rent-seeking folks that you're talking about. If that credential data, and back to the where we started, truth is the disruptor here. Right. That's the secret sauce. That's what everybody has to understand. And that's what obviously Invenium is leaning into. But am I right? I mean, that the credentialing is what makes all of this come together in all of these spaces. I think you're exactly right. I mean, this is the driving force in the idea behind Web3 is this idea that instead of there being a central party and all the data gets sucked up and then they create all of the value, you know, like Facebook, like Google, they absorb all the data and then they get most of the value out of it with the model that Invenium's spearheading where the data stays with the data owners. We don't take our customers' data. All we do is credential it. All we do is use the blockchain to be able to say, that is the same data, that was the data that was put there on that day, and more importantly, in a lot of cases, something that blockchains do that you can't do with most other things is prove the negative prove that I'm giving you all of the data, that I'm not leaving anything out, because that's one of the best ways to cheat, to to lie, is to give you all truthful data, except for the thing that I'll leave out. And blockchains prevent that. And so now all of a sudden, our customers can gain value from their data, and we're providing them a service. Right. New term right now is Web3, and people say, what is Web3? I don't even understand what it means. What's Web2? What's Web1? 
Web one, it was you got mail, right? It was you know thirty years ago, and that's like, hey, wow, what's this? I can send a, a document across you know the world. Wow, that's cool. And web two was sort of like the data oracles. You know, let's be honest: Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, you know, Google. You know, they control the data, right? I mean, the, the data comes through them, and then your you know people's data is being resold. You know, through any number of means. Eventually, you say no, that that's not right. I mean, the data should be owned by the owners themselves who are in a position to do with their data what they want. If anybody's going to monetize someone's data, shouldn't it be the owner of the data themselves? I mean, is that is that too radical of a thought? And so I think that, uh, you know, this concept of decentralization is a very powerful one, and it's it's affecting every industry in the world. But blockchain, this credentialing and trusting of data is at the center of this peaceful disruption. Uh, jump in for a second. Just the one thing on this credentialing, one of the, the key components that you're going to see right now, there's a convergence between regulation and the uh, increasing drive to regulate this industry, tokenization, which Invidium's deeply involved in, of being able to take assets and tokenize them and drive a value out of assets by, by tokenizing them. But all of that's going to drive toward the importance of identity. I just can't overemphasize how important that's going to be over the next few years. Because when you have something like Facebook, where, you know, they are saying that who this is, and they kind of give some standing behind it. But we start doing transactions, we're trying to do transactions against tokens, against, it's going to be more than just what happened, but who did it? That's exactly and, right. And that's one of the biggest things that Accumulate is bringing to the market. The blockchain that we're building is this concept of really powerful identity. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Biden administration is going to come out with a cryptocurrency plan and agenda next week that's well announced. I'm not exactly sure what it'll say, but certainly AML KYC, which is anti-money laundering, know your client, is an enormous aspect of it because cryptocurrencies have to come out of the shadows. This isn't some backwater thing that nobody knows about where money's being sent back and forth. Those days are over and they need to be over. There needs to be more, as Jay said, identity in the light of day. You could still have anonymous transactions, but there has to be a record of that transaction taking place, meaning you can do commerce with one another. Eventually there has to be some records, right? It just can't be you know, off the grid. So I think I agree. I, I saw Mark Cuban and others talking about how AMLKYC is the next frontier of Web3. And we think the Accumulate project and, and what we're working on is right at the forefront of that. A few more minutes left on the Sound DeFi with our guest today. And, you know, I want to call on your trading background, Michael, and your financial yeah. services background, uh, Jay, and say, all right, you guys day in and day out are making this case to others. And as you say, it's exploding. The space is exploding. How do you come out of the shadows? How do you make the argument that it has to come out of the shadows and get people covered? Michael, you first and then Jay. Regulation is paramount. You, you have to have regulation. And so that's the starting point. And you need a dialogue with regulators. And, and that's just critical. Now, and, and so yeah, that, that's really it. I mean, once you have a framework between business 
and the government to have a regulatory regime, that's the starting point. And I think we're off to a good start. There's definitely changes that will be made in coming years, but it's moving in the right direction. And this is a very similar path that the futures and options markets went through in the last 40 years. I was a part of that, maybe the, the second stage of that. So a lot of this dialogue over regulation is very familiar to me. You know, it's like Warren Buffett says, like, you have to have confidence in this country because we'll get it right eventually. Like, that's what we have a tendency to do in this country is to figure out how to have rules and how to have business. And so I'm, I'm very confident that we're heading in the right direction. And Jay, when you're talking to your colleagues at Financial Services, when you're making the case for, you know, what lies ahead in this space, how do you make the case that gets them comfortable that say, yeah, you're right, this should come out of the shadows. This is a disruptor. What is the case you make? I use something of a paradox because the answer to it should come out of the shadows is, is really that it should disappear. <laughs> and Vinium is, is a really good example of this, in that they are creating an entirely new market for private assets. They are doing it by leveraging blockchain technology and having tremendous success but they really don't talk about blockchain technology. Blockchain technology is a tremendous enabler of, of unlocking financial assets, but the, the technology itself will become just so pervasive. And up to this point, most of the crypto business has been kind of crypto to crypto to crypto to crypto, but it's gonna come out of the shadows by disappearing underneath everything that the financial services industry does. I mean, just yesterday, it's crazy. JP Morgan comes out and says the metaverse is a $1 trillion annual opportunity. I mean, this is, this is like maple. People didn't even know what the metaverse was six months ago. And now you got the most important bank in the country saying this is real. And there's this crossover now between disruptive nature of blockchain and crypto, but it's hitting in a good way. It's hitting Wall Street, Main Street and, and you know, Washington. And, and, you know, I mean, it's a very exciting space to be in. I think it's fair to maybe leave it at that. I do want to end on this note because I think the why is important here, right? You guys are wicked smart in your fields. Um, but I think there's a whole lot of people out there that if you're successful in this and, uh, you know, accumulate an Invenium, go on to trailblaze in this space, the winners are really any traditional investor out there, any private market asset that now has the chance to play in a space it wouldn't otherwise do. So just a minute from each of you on, yeah. Who wins? Who's the well, ultimate winner on this? And isn't that the reason to do it? Mike? Let me take a crack at it to start because I could, I, I had, I just couldn't remember the term. I don't know why we spoke last time. Financial inclusion is a very powerful concept. And like our colleague Sanjay Vatsa, Kirsten Evans, and others, our whole team is about eventually having assets like private equity assets, commercial real estate assets, having a broader reach and having you know, retail investors participate in that space. They're basically crowded out, they're blocked out because they're too small. Through this process of better data, which leads to tokenization, which leads to trading on exchanges, Eventually, over time, it's reasonable that somebody could buy a $500 stake in the Park Hyatt in Chicago. Uh, we're not even close to that happening, but that's a world you can see. And having greater participation in financial markets is a great objective. So I, I look at this and say financial inclusion is a road we're on, and it's a very good thing for society. And Jay, what's your answer to that? The win, the ultimate win, the why of this and who wins? The winner are the small investors, the, the everyday small guys, because they, this technology removes 
friction. And the more friction you have, the larger the organization you need to overcome it. And with the kind of frictionless systems that we're going to be capable of building over the next few years, it's going to be really easy for the small investor to play on a lot leveler field because the the data and the information will be available. The truth will be available to everyone, big and small. Fascinating conversation. And uh, Sound DeFi is really about unlocking this financial inclusion. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. That's what's so fun about this. This is why every bit of it's worth it. It obviously is a disruptor in many ways. And the truth is a disruptor. That's a good thing. We're going to lean into that. But I love the answer. Michael, anything else you want to say before we wrap up this episode? This was a lot of fun. And thank you so much for having me a second time. And I'm looking forward to hopefully being back again and bringing some more uh, colleagues and industry folks onto your show. Great. Jay, anything else? It was great to be here. Would love to come back sometime and talk about some of the details of how Accumulate specifically will solve some of these problems. Yeah, yeah we'll have many episodes of this Sound DeFi in the future. DeFi Devs President and Vice President of uh, Business Development today, Michael Creed and Jay Smith. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you so much. A lot of fun. Talk to you soon.